The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. It's a wonderful series of shows to help you on your awakening journey and to understand what is happening in the world at large and also within ourselves. And to add to that understanding, we have with us today Lisa Osina, who has published a book called A Wolf Song. And the background to that book is really interesting. And I'm going to get Lisa to explain to us uh, how this all came about. So, Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. Very nice to meet you. And, um, wow, a wolf song, the story of forgiveness through gratitude. Um, I am a shaman and have been studying with a 21st century shaman, Lynn Andrews, who uh, works with international um, shamans throughout the world. Um and on 11-11-11, it was a very significant day for us, and uh, she had guided us to work with our animal spirits, who we work with on an ongoing basis. But she said, especially on 11-11, she said, they all have a message for you. Go in and listen to your message. Um, so I decided to take the day off and um, meditated most of the day, and at one point, um, my power animal's power animal came through, kind of like the grandfather of, of power animals. He's a big black wolf with a long white stripe down his nose. Um, and uh, he started saying that I would be working with him for the next year. And um, I said, okay, well, what are we doing? And he started dictating a wolf song to me. Um, I do have some experience with writing. In the early 90s, I wrote a trilogy of autobiographical novels. Uh, so writing wasn't alien to me. And I was wondering when my next book would be coming out and what I would be writing. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, for the next year, every weekend, he dictated a chapter of the Wolf Song to me. So, so before you go on, Lisa, so uh, had you encountered this black wolf before? I worked with him very briefly in second year of school with Lynn Andrews. Okay. And our task was work with your power animals, power animals. So okay. I knew who he was. Um, he told me basically where 
my power animals came from and, and gave me some kind of anatomy um, tuition is, you know, like what is the anatomy of the spirit and what is the anatomy of, and why do we work with them and, and how do they affect us and how do we feel them? And he gave me some very, very basic lessons on, on power animals. And it's, it's been very valuable to me because to this day I use it. So, how, and also, uh, uh, and by the way, I've, I've got Lynn Andrews actually on the show in two weeks' time on March 26th, so I'm really looking forward to having that opportunity to chat with her. I will be listening in to that. <laughs> so the second question is, how, how uh, did the information come through to you in terms of the writing? In what form was the information for the book? Well, I would go outside, sit under my willow, um, in my camper chair and close my eyes and call in my spirit animal. At that point, I would receive guidance of where they needed to go, where the characters were and where they needed to get to in the, that segment of writing I was doing on that day. Um, so they would give the, me the map and then they, they would usually give me one or two words of these are the lessons of this chapter. Um, my wolf was extremely uh, adamant that every chapter have a lesson. Um, and some of those chapters, the lesson is actually described within the verse of the wolf song. Once they gave me the essence of what I was going to be writing about it, I would actually feel that in my whole body. And I would run into the house to my laptop to start typing because I really was scared that I'd lose it. Um, and then something would happen. I would go into a trance of some kind because the words would literally come from above and come out, come out of my fingers. And I would stare at the screen in surprise at what was coming out. This was not a brain function. I think the only function that my brain did was the use of my typing. Um, you know, I was I, I type 80 words a minute, so obviously I type very, very quickly and was able to literally recite the movie I was watching. So the information you were getting there was was, was uh, an all sensory. It was it was actual hearing words, seeing pictures, smelling, smelling, the, tasting, okay. everything. Okay. So, so it was I was everything. there. Right, right. Wow, neat. And I guess one of the issues, as you say, is is in that moment all that that takes place and then you've actually got to record it you've got to get it down and you're obviously a fast typer but you've still got to keep capture the moment and keep the energy and, and get it on paper or get it on the yes. computer yeah 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 you do i mean like in the first chapter or a second chapter when hannah loses her front tooth yep i had to write something i felt blood in my mouth i tasted blood in my mouth oh okay wow and I so, was tasting the blood, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my tooth is missing. I'm like, not your tooth. <laughs> yeah. And I could virtually feel that her tooth was missing. I know which tooth it was. So this all began on the 11-11-11, on the and I remember that day well, because we had a, a, a ceremony here in Victoria, and, and it was very much a, felt like a big portal opening, a doorway opening into those other realms. And obviously, you took great advantage of that too. So how... It was huge. Um, it, I finished the book on 11, 11, 12. And the divine, the absolutely divine part of this story is that 
It was published on Amazon by Balboa with no control of my own on 11-11-13. And the release date was 11-29-13. <laughs> so the numerologically, it was all being lined up specifically. Totally. Yeah. Wow, and on 11-11-11, as I, I mean, during... 2011 2012 wolves gratitude forgiveness all that came in in 13 they were not buzzwords in 12 right yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. now they are and i'm oh, like so yeah i didn't know that then <laughs> or i didn't know they were buzzwords and, and it is a lesson in, it is a, a lesson in complete surrender and trust isn't it it is the ultimate lesson in trust um you know, trusting is something that is very difficult for some of us. But once you do trust, it's very relaxing. You don't have to worry about so much. Yeah. That step that step out of, of anxiety, worry about what's happening with the future and all that, when you get to that deeper level of trust, then stepping out of that anxiety, as you say, can bring a great deal of peace and actually – a much simpler life. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. So, so that. when you were complete and, and everything was finished and it was the 11, 11, 2013 and then 11, 29, 13, how did you feel about it all? <sighs> Everyone keeps asking me that question. I'm, um, well, first of all, the book, the series isn't finished. I'm writing book two. So I'm in the middle of, um, I'm on chapter three now of, of the second book in the series. Um, so I'm still very deeply involved in the story. Uh, I felt a feeling of completion, obviously. I felt very proud of myself. Um, I probably didn't give myself enough credit and probably still am not. Uh, it's very humbling to have yourself out there. It's, uh, it's, it's a different feeling. It's not a feeling that I expected. I expected to have my addiction to attention fulfilled and filled up. And it doesn't have anything. I'm realizing that this is nothing to do with me anymore. When you, give your, when you finish writing a book and you send it out for publication, um, well, shamanically, what we do is we release you. Oh, and what and what does that mean exactly when you say we we release you? We release the book. We mm -hmm. release yep. the story to the world because otherwise it won't go anywhere if we're holding on to it. Okay, right, right. So and I yeah. truly released it and gave it out to the world so that the other thing is is that you know you are going to have criticism at one point. You are going to have people say this is crazy. You're delusional. Um, those things are going to happen. Right. And in order to distance yourself from that and be able to take those punches standing and keep on walking, there needs to be a certain buffer between you and the story. Um, so, so, I you have to, so you have to actually release your own attachments to the book when you, yeah. when you birth it. You have to let it go. Yeah, right. Yes, you really do. Uh, I feel great. 
I feel more empowered than I've ever felt before. Um, I keep saying, no, I haven't succeeded yet. It's not a New York Times bestseller. It's not a movie yet. Those are my goals. Right, yeah. But in essence, it's the story that was the lesson. It was the journey of writing it that was the lesson, of publishing it, of editing it, of allowing someone else to change my words or change my sentences. All the lessons I went through during this journey have enriched my life in, in every aspect. And what has been the, uh, the response of, of The Wolf to the book, the final product? <laughs> He's hopping up and down. They're dancing. <laughs> the, day I, the day I published it, um, I went out into the yard, which is really where we all congregate, and closed my eyes. And Nano Nala and the big black wolf with white stripe down his nose were standing there dancing around a fire, just going crazy. And I'm like, we did it. And they're like, yeah. And they said, now you won't see us for two weeks. And I said, why? Where are you going? And they said, we're going to spread the word. And they went to their power allies who eventually will reach their people who will eventually benefit from the lessons in a wolf song. They're busy. And they're, they're, they're going to, I've, I've received calls from total strangers saying, We're, I heard about your book. How do I, you know, how do I get it? Um, it it's quite amazing. They're, they're very, I mean, obviously from the internet, things get shared internationally and um, but this is more than that it's um, the people that approach me about the story are looking to learn and they know they have lessons to learn and you can feel within them that they've been guided to ask certain questions so Lisa we're coming up to our first break and when we come back actually I'm going to ask you about the interaction between the human and the animal spirits and our own power animals and how that works to the best of your knowledge dimensionally in terms of you say they're going out they're connecting to their allies their animal spirit world and then influencing the people that they're connected with so i just want to get you to expand on that a little bit when we come back after this break i it's, will it's peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality, winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? 
What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertongue.com, where we have all of the information of the work that we're doing with the Landscape Zodiac, my monthly newsletters, all of the radio shows archived there. And also, if you're interested in joining our Thursday morning live meditations, either live or through an MP3 uh, archive, then please go to www.petertongue.com and to the events page. And all of the information is available there to join in our Thursday meditations. I have with me today Lisa Asina and her recent book, A Wolf Song, which we are discussing today. And before the break, Lisa, we were just talking about the interaction between our physical realm, the the realm that we are consciously aware of, and the realm of, of the animal spirit world that you are closely connected with and how they interact with each other. And I'd, I'd love you to give the best explanation that you can for how this works. Okay. First of all, it's magical. <laughs> Great. And we all know that the minute you talk about magic and try to explain magic and try and put it into words, it kind of slips through your fingers and it's gone. So I am going to delicately tiptoe around it. Perfect. Um, which will give you an idea of how it is experienced. First of all, I work on the premise that um, you're probably familiar, and you're, I'm sure all the listeners would be familiar with um, the wonderful white cord that we use, or silver cord that we use in meditation. That is our connection between earth and spirit, or earth and heaven. And we use it to bring ourselves out of meditations, or some do. I'm going to expand on that and say that every chakra in our body has a luminous fiber. And that luminous fiber connects with every other entity in the world. It is through, if you think of it like, um, like the network of broadband that we now have for cable, or fiber optics that exist for the internet. These are human and actually, I take that back. These are connections between any spirit in this world, just like fiber optics and 
cable connect telecommunications in the world, these fibers connect all of us. So that's the principle of it. Now, when you're working in particular with spirit animals, number one, my belief is that these spirit animals join you at birth. As in a wolf song, uh, the beginning of the book actually begins practically in the birth canal. And you are taken through the birthing of the physical child and the birthing of its spirit. There are many people who have been arguing for years and years and years of when does the spirit actually enter the human body? Is it during pregnancy? Is it when they're seven years old? Is it when they're one? Well, in my opinion, it happens at birth. Or my experience and what the, the wolves have told me is that it happens at birth. And that is your true medicine. We use the characteristics of these animals to enhance our life. To bring other aspects of spirit into us um, not to replace, but to supplement our humanness. We learn how to stalk. We learn how to hunt. We learn how to teach. Um, all of those very, very strong tributes that we have, a lot of the energy comes from animal spirits who survive in the wild and live and survive on those instincts and those attributes. And we use them in our life. Does that answer your question? It does to a, it does to a certain degree. I, again, I, I guess the communication network, um, I, I see that from the perspective of, of the analogy that you've given. But what I'm interested in really is how this uh, communication takes place, if you like, through the veil or through the void, where some people seem to have a a very open ability to make that connection and others are completely closed off and that how that works in terms of that connection. That has to do with going to the spirit gym and flexing your spiritual muscles and learning how to open your heart and your belly to spirit. Once you learn how to do that, you are at their disposal and you are open to receive teachings from other entities and things that are outside yourself and outside a book. So for those people who are completely unaware, completely unconscious that they actually have some animal spirit guides or some actual aspects of animal spirit within them, are they still being influenced by those animals, although they're totally unaware and unconscious? I think they are. And I think they are influenced by everything as well. Um, We work off the premise that we're all one. And we're all interconnected at the end of the day. It is our ability to look outside ourselves and receive attributes of other entities and other beings to enhance ourselves and use um, <clears throat> use their energy or accept their energy because the energy is there for us. It's a matter of us accepting it. So for someone now listening to the show for the, who, who for the first time is, is hearing this and, and connecting to this energetically, how, how do you actually begin to 
make those connections with those animal spirits that actually are presumably waiting to interact with you. You go to a teacher and you go through a guided meditation. I wouldn't do it on my own. Okay. I would, I would seek guidance. Um, it's not something to do on your own in the very beginning. It's something that you should do under the guidance of someone. The first time that I did a power animal meditation was with Lynn Andrews. And luckily I was there in her gathering. Um, the, it was so strong that I was paralyzed for 10 minutes after the meditation. I couldn't stand up. I crawled to her, literally crawled over to her desk after the meditation and cried to her. Can your spirit animal be an animal that was with you in the physical? Because my physical dog showed up who had just died a year before. Okay. And um, you need guidance sometimes. These things are very surprising. They're not always everything that we, we expect. Um, and I wouldn't suggest that anyone play with this on their own. But, but you can certainly pay attention to the animals that are around you, both uh, in the home domestically and also out in nature, and see yes. what you react to, what you feel awestruck by, what animals show up at a particular time in your life and that sort of thing. Yes, yes, you can do that. And the other thing you can do is you can turn, you can go ahead and get yourself a copy of Animal Speak by Ted Andrews. And that describes the animal totems. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and study it. And then take a task and say, okay, what kind of energy do I need to do this task? And may I ask an eagle to accompany me on this task? And give me an eagle-eyed view. So you can utilize, once you understand some, something of the energies involved from the different animals, you can actually set the intention to get that level of support from them. That's right. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's your power animal. Right. That means that you're using that animal and that animal is offering to you its talents to enhance your journey. So, Lisa, let's, uh, let's actually return to the book for a minute and, and, and just give our listeners a little bit of a, an overview of the book and the, the key pieces in it that you want uh, our listeners to understand. The story <clears throat> is about two girls who um, meet their wolves under a jump rope at age eight. Um, they're joined by a teacher, and they, um, they encounter tragedy. Something horrible happens to both of them, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, after that, they go through a series of teachings with their teacher, and she introduces them to shamanism. The book doesn't actually say, I'm teaching you shamanism, but most of the teachings that I bring through the story are shamanic. She brings them to a place that they learn how to love themselves. They realize that hadn't had those tragedies not occurred, they wouldn't have been who they are today or then. Through that, they reach a place of gratitude and are able to forgive that is the essence of the story. 
it is a tool to learn how to forgive through gratitude, through using gratitude. But besides that, it's also a salad of shamanic techniques on, let's say, level one. It gives you a taste of everything. It doesn't go into most of the practices in depth because you'd need a separate book for each thing or a few. Um, but it gives a person a very good idea of what it's like to live in a bi-dimensional dual lifetime existence and how rich it is. How's that sound, Peter? What do you think? That sounds pretty good, yeah, yeah. you agree? Absolutely, yeah. And I think one of the, the key elements that we're all beginning to realize is that these tragedies uh, that take place in our lives really uh, offer us a sort of a, sh- a shaking up moment to really shatter our old world and our old world thinking to create some chaos for us to reconstitute in a, in a different way. That's right. And one of the I mean, biggest, the classic, what, there's a classic story about the woman who goes away for two weeks and during the time that she goes away, her house collapses. And when she comes back, everybody in the village come to her and they're all, you know, very sorry and this and that. And they're like, you know, warning her saying, oh, God, your house collapsed. We're really sorry. We feel so bad. And she turns around and laughs and they're like, why are you smiling? She says, well, I wasn't in it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So one of the big issues is uh, is the girls themselves uh, having this really close bond and in some ways it's their saviour because of the tragedy that takes place. And then the lesson that they have to learn that they're going to be separate most of the time and only come together on rare occasions. And I'm going to get you to talk about why that's important when we come back after this break. Okay. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? If you're searching for the answers to these and other spiritual questions, you can look within. And you can tune into The Open Door. Our program will expand your awareness of the teachings of the Ascended Masters, offer you practical tools that promote self-mastery and personal freedom, and provide an unerring pathway for graduating from Earth Schoolroom. The Open Door with hosts Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy is broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. Shari Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also the, the uh, wonderful people at Voice America, Brandy Jackson, my producer, and Matt, our regular engineer on the show every week, does a fantastic job. And they together enable me to bring to you such great guests on the show to help us on our expanding awareness, our awakening journey in this beautiful planet on which we live. And I have with me today Lisa Asina, and we're talking about her book, A Wolf Song. And before the break, Lisa, I was just um, talking about the fact that these two young women who have a very close bond, and in some ways uh, it's it's part of their survival uh, mode through these difficult times, but they only get to meet up uh, every 10 years. And why that was an important piece uh, of the story from your perspective, or from the wolf's perspective anyway. <clears throat> the wolf thought that basically the wolf, I think the wolf's intent more than anything was that they get together, they learn things, and then they go off and practice individually, and then they come back and say, how did that work out for you? Um, that's one level of it. The second level of it has to do with maybe Hannah and Margaret are the same person. Maybe they just needed to split off in different journeys and bring that back to their bond. A um, couple people have asked me if Hannah and Margaret are the same person and if I'm just writing about two different aspects of one person. Mm-hmm. And that was a good question because it made me ask myself that. Well, I have asked the wolves about that. And they say to me that Hannah and Margaret are separate. However, they are on a karmic trip together. So from lifetime to lifetime, they fulfill different roles. And it was important that they separate whether it to be for five years or ten years because, you know, they cheat a little. Um, they do have communication between those ten-year, in those ten-year intervals. And they have Trudy in the middle who is always conveying information between them in the background. Um, it is one more element of we are all one. We are here, we are there, we are then, we will be, and we were. And it's all happening now in different dimensions. So what are the, the what flip-flop the... between the flip-flop in timing, the flip-flop in all of the things that you flip-flop with in a wolf song takes you to the conclusion at the end that, wait a minute, it's all the same. And it can all be one. And I am you and you are me. So, so one of the pieces that I felt in, in, in reading the book around the two girls was this tendency 
that we all have in life uh, with a partner to become codependent. And that these two young women going through these challenges, they knew they had each other at some distance, but they still had to resolve things for themselves fully and totally to become fully self-empowered as individuals. Thank you, Peter. I will tell that to the next person that asks me the question. <laughs> that's a great answer. Okay. I really appreciate that. No, that's true as well. Um, I want to explain just one little tiny thing, and that is when I was writing a wolf song, I did not know what I was writing. I didn't know what the lessons were, and I didn't know what the story was about. I was taking it in a state of trust from sentence to sentence, and I really didn't know what was going to happen in the next chapter or the, the end of the chapter. Um, much of what I learned from a wolf song happened after I finished the book and reread it. I didn't even know it was a story about forgiveness. The, the way in which it was written um, was in such, it's what you really say is living in the now. I was in the now in every second. There was no past and there was no future. It was all present. So when I actually read, reread it, I was able to reflect and see past, future, and present. Does that make sense to you? It makes total sense, yeah. And that leads me to a question about one of my favorite uh, scenes in the book. Um, and that was the scene in uh, the castle uh, in the border country between England and Wales in this beautiful, fertile, green valley. And in this castle, everybody basically is stepping out of time and space. And so there's this merging together of timelines of people from different eras and different past life experiences coming together. So just talk about that experience from your own perspective, what that was like. Well, I've traveled a lot in the world and um, I have had the opportunity to be in extremely old buildings in very modern settings. And I always loved the, um, the distinction between the two. It's kind of like um, a contradiction in terms, going to a castle that has been converted into a disco. Um, those kind of little things, those flukes in life really fascinate me. And um, I think that is what the fuel was to bring in all of the different lifetimes uh, into the party at the castle. Um, it also gets people ready for chat for book two, because what's happening in book two is they are going into a past lifetime and it's very definite and they're reversing roles. So, um, some of the things that the girls go through in a wolf song is preparation for book two. And I'm just finding that out now, i.e. had they not done that, then they wouldn't be able to do that in this book, in the present book. So they are actually changing roles. Okay. So if you were, if you were dancing in this discotheque, in this ancient castle today, then you would start experiencing dancing that took place in a totally different time-space era. Yes. Yes. And it happens to me a lot. 
So okay. we'll go into an old building and all of a sudden I'll start hearing sounds and they're not sounds from what's going on right here. They're sounds from a past, a past time. Um, I'll close my eyes and see things. And they're in the same building I'm in. The building looks different, but I am in the same building. I will just drop back into a past life. And sometimes it's not my past life. Sometimes it's other people. It's, it's just I'm walking into a different time period. And that happens to me quite a bit. Um, before I started studying shamanism and before I even believed in spirit, I mean, I was a total atheist. Um, the thought of past lives was very, very intriguing to me. Um, Brian Weiss was probably one of the first people that attracted me to anything spiritual, and that was past life regression. How do you distinguish between a past life, which is your, your own experience, and one that is someone else's? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I would have thought that's something my brain does. And um, I don't always trust my brain. So I'm going to say I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. My brain that. does that. And it'll tell me something. And I'll go, I don't believe that. That's something that came from your emotion. Okay. That, that was a judgment or something. I haven't really tackled that question. And it's one of the untouchables for me, tell you the truth. Yeah, I understand. So the other, the other really important piece um, in terms of that experience in that castle was, was uh, the accessing or a portal, whatever you want to call it, a gateway to the underworld, which is a very important part of shamanism. So let's talk about the underworld a little bit. Well, light cannot exist without dark, and dark cannot exist without light. Um, I think the underworld is going to exist for everyone and it really depends on what we do with it and how it affects us. There are people that are very, very attracted to the dark side for the wrong reasons. Um, people seem to think that if they don't like themselves that they belong on the dark side and that's what they quote-unquote deserve in life. Um, and that's where a lot of the stigma comes from with the dark side. There's nothing wrong with the dark side if you know how to deal with it. If you don't know how to deal with it and you let it get to you, then it could make you kill yourself. It won't kill you. You'll do it all by yourself. It's like a sorcerer. Sorcerer won't kill you, but they'll make you, they'll scare you to death. Uh, the same goes for the shadow. If you honor it and light a candle for it and acknowledge it and give it a hug, it'll go you go away and leave you alone. If you ignore it and hate it and swear at it, it'll stomp all over you. It really depends on how you treat the dark side to how the dark side's going to be. Um, in my in my experience. <clears throat> Does anyone ever go through a period where they're just like kind of just hanging out and vegging, watching TV or just doing something very mindless and all of a sudden all these horrible tragedies start going through your brain and they're tragedies and they're not true. They're just horrible things happening 
and they're just going through and going through and, and you're you know, you stop, you go, whoa, whoa, where, where's all that coming from? Well, that is the dark side stalking you. The question is, what do you do with it? Do you suck into it and become totally fearful and act out all of those horrible things that go through your mind? Or do you honor it as part of the dark side? Light a candle for it. Love it for what it is and move on. We don't have to eat darkness. We have to observe it. We have to acknowledge it and we have to respect it. But we don't have to eat it and we don't have to become it. So again, that, that level of awareness uh, of what it actually is is critical to our being able to work with it and through it. Yeah. And so, treating it for what it is and not what your brain is translating it as. And that's the sample of going through scenarios in your head of horrible things happening and disasters. And, oh, my God, what would happen if I had an earthquake? And people go through their whole drill of what they're going to do and who they're going to take and which animal they're going to put where. And, okay, yes, you do have to do fire drills in life. And you do have to know what you'll do in case of an emergency. But there are people that live through that. That's what you don't want to do. You don't want to live it. You don't want to eat it, the experience. You just want to plan, okay, that's what I'll do. End of story. Okay, Lisa, we're coming up to our final break, which we'll take now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. 
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with you today Lisa Asina, who has published her book recently called A Wolf Song. Uh, Lisa, just let our listeners know how they can connect with you and get the book. Well, I have a website. It's called www or triple w. I love that. I'm going to start using that. Triple w l i s a o s i n a dot com. Um, on the front page, you will find links to Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Balboa Press, who is my self-publisher. Um, and you can order copies there. There are ebooks, hardcovers, and paperbacks available. Um, also on my website, there is a video from my Kickstarter.com project at the bottom of the homepage, which you'll enjoy. And all of my radio interviews and other things are there, including talk about my illustrator, Susan Wagner. Um, so that's number one. Number two, you can always just go to Amazon, Balboa Press. I am also prevalent um, on Facebook. I have an author page and a individual page. Um, and that's how you can reach me. And you've got a, a book signing event coming up shortly. I do. On this Sunday night, March 16th, um, in Corte Madera, California, I will be at Book Passage from 7 to 8. I'll be doing a short lecture about forgiveness through gratitude, and I will be signing books. Additionally, on April 26th, I will be lecturing at the New Living Expo, and that's the San Francisco New Le Living Expo. At 7 o'clock in the evening, um, and the expo is in San Mateo this year. Better parking. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so let's just talk about the artwork uh, illustrations that were done by Susan. Uh, very interesting sketches, I, I suppose. How, how, did you, how did you communicate what you wanted her to do? Huh. I think the wolf took care of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I sent... Susan, a description, I'd say maybe a, a five-word description. Um, she wanted to know the energies that surrounded each, um, each illustration. She's also a student of Lynn Andrews, and she said, uh, tell me what direction it's in, and tell me what the, um, what the mother energy is. Mother energies is something that we study in school, and I'm sorry, but we don't have time to get into it right now. So I centered the direction that I thought each one was in and the mother energy and just kind of like a sentence out of the text that would give her an idea. And she sent me an email and said, who's that black wolf that keeps coming to my meditation? She says, is that Lynn? <laughs> because Lynn's also a black wolf. And I said, no, my dear, that is the author. You need to listen to him. Well, Susan listened to them, him, and she reproduced my visions. Every time she sent me the illustration, it was practically the same vision that I had when I was writing. So I would burst into tears as it arrived and call her and cry my eyes out. <laughs> and she would laugh her head off and she'd say, I take it you like. <laughs> I said, yeah, I like. She said, okay, next. And she uh, would go, right. go on to the next one. Uh, she produced them all this last summer, 
um, it wasn't while I was writing at all. Uh, it was only after I had purchased the package from Balboa Press and they told me, well, you get 10 illustrations with this. And I was like, wow. Uh, so it was only like the summer before, last summer, that um, I knew that it would be illustrated. And then, of course, she did the cover art, which is phenomenal. So, again, you've got this uh, beautiful interconnectivity going on with, through Lynn Andrews and through Susan, through yourself, through the wolf, through the wolf energy. Yes. So, listen, we've only got a few minutes left, so I think it would be really good for us to close by have you talk a bit about forgiveness and gratitude. Thank you. My favorite subject. <laughs> well, let's say you were abused as a child, physical, verbal, whatever it was, neglect, any kind of abuse. And you get into your 20s and you're angry. However, someone turns around to you and said, you really need to forgive and let go of that and get on with your life. Otherwise, you're going to lose your life because something happened to you when you were a kid. Do you really want that to happen? Do you want to live your whole life through that tragedy? And the person turns around and says, well, what can I forgive? How can I forgive? I can't forgive a whole era. I can't forgive my childhood. How do I identify the wound? And what I do is I teach how to use the medicine wheel to identify the wound. Those of you who are familiar with putting things on the wheel, as they say, you talk about the physical in the South. You talk about the emotional in the West. You talk about spirit. In the north and in the east, you take the mental aspect of the subject that you actually place in the middle of your wheel. <clears throat> so you were to take the wound and you put it on the wheel and what happens is spirit interjects and in the north will give you some kind of inclination of exactly where that wound lives in your body and what it is. Once you realize what the wound is, then you can work on bringing yourself to a place of forgiveness to yourself for going through it in the first place. Then you start thinking about gratitude. Oh, I'm really glad that happened. Oh, this and that. Well, it's all well and good for us to say we're grateful and to say thank you. But gratitude isn't just saying your thank you, saying thank you. Gratitude is being humble. Gratitude is feeling it in your body. And the way you do that is by creating a gratitude list for yourself and going back into the spiritual gym and exercising your gratitude, your grateful muscles, as you would say. Um, get yourself a little notebook and start writing down five things every day, the same time during the day if you can. Things that you are grateful for right here and now from this day. And do it for a few months. You will find that your essence changes and you'll start to enjoy and understand what really gratitude is and what it is to live it and to feel it in your body. Once that is living in your body. It is then that you can walk into 
the place of forgiveness. And that's when you realize that forgiveness is about you and no one else. And that you're not in a situation where you have to go back to your attacker and say, I forgive you. You can do that without speaking to them. Because at the end of the day, you're not really forgiving them. You're forgiving your spirit for letting yourself go through it. So, Lisa, we're actually actually at the end of our time, and we do have to finish on time, I'm, I'm sorry to say. But I really appreciate that final conclusion that you've made about this all returning back to forgiving ourselves. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. it and the book, A Wolf Song, lisaacena.com. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Peter. It's been a pleasure. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Maureen Saint-Germain, and I would be talking with her about her latest book, Be a Genie, Creating Love, Success, and Happiness in Your Life through your own genie. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.